0: Podcasts.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Wright and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's episode is called Drink, Smoke, Snort, Stroke, The Fall and Rise of Willie DeWitt. It's by former Stuff writer and current freelancer Grant Smithies, who is on the phone from Sonny Nelson. Hello, Grant. G'day, how
2: you doing?
1: I'm good. Is it sunny? I just added that
2: on the fly. <laughs> it's semi-sunny. Yeah, sunny-ish. As sunny as you could hope for in the spring with the changeable weather.
1: <laughs> um, I really like this story because I am just old enough to remember the comedian Willie DeWitt when he was on TV. But not all of our listeners might know who he is. So just quickly explain to us who he is, this, this guy in your story.
2: Yeah, he's, he's a, um, in the 1980s he went and he won a nightclub comedy competition and I think only four, him and three others showed up (laughs) to the competition he won and him and the other three got on so well that they formed a weekly comedy night in Auckland in the Windsor Castle pub and that gradually over the period of about a year got quite rammed with people and got quite a following so they got offered a TV show and they got funding in about 1988, seven or 8 and they started a show called Funny Business on TV I think it had three seasons and was hugely popular. Anyone that wants to see part of that on the New Zealand on screen site, you can see lots of clips from those days. And they were sort of observational comics could relate to if you're a New Zealander, like um, they had, uh, you know, unruly bogans at the beach chugging beer and mullet wigs and you know misbehaving and stuff <laughs> it was very much part of the culture of the day <laughs> and uh, you know other people that were their mates at the time like lucy lawless you know showed up making her comedy acting debut in some sort of a bogus ad that's in one of their shows and so they basically hauled in their mates and you know created this sort of observational sketch comedy i guess
1: so listeners will get to hear some of that we're going to play a couple of clips As we move through this episode. Oh, nice. But first, um, Willie DeWitt has written a book, which I have stolen the title of for this episode Drink, Smoke, Snort, Stroke, which goes on to tell, yeah, well, the rest of his life up until now, which is not quite as funny. What's it about?
2: He goes through this sort of from being a, you know, a a school kid class clown critter at um, Auckland Grammar to the present day. And, you know, so there's a bit of stuff about his early life. And then he goes into, um, the comedy, but then after funny business, he was on Radio Haraki for, for God, 10 years or so plus. Mm, I remember that. When we left, he slid into deep depression and essentially sort of self medicated with a heap of alcohol uh, at first and then later on various other drugs. And then he got a raging methamphetamine habit, which he talks about really. Um, uh, you know, even bleak scenarios like people showing up at his door with shotguns uh, and threatening him and such. In the book, he talks about with quite a lot of um comedic skill, I think, even though they must have been terrifying at the time. And then um, somewhere along the way, he had a, a massive stroke, which methamphetamine um, greatly increases your likelihood of. And then it talks about his sort of recovery, learning to speak again, learning to, uh, you know, walk, which they they thought he would never walk again and he'd be um, confined to a wheelchair. So he goes through all that sort of stuff in the book and in the book itself, he's written the whole damn thing, like 65,000 words with one hand <laughs> on the side that works. So he was very funny talking to, um, you know, when I talked to him to write the story about what an actual thing it's been even getting the book together.
1: You've spoken to him at length. What's he like? How does he compare to his comic
2: persona? Oh, great. He speaks in fast little blasts of words, which I think would, I don't know if that would have been the case before he had to learn to speak all over again from the stroke. But he's good. Thoughtful, articulate, warm company, funny. You know, somebody who seems well-placed to make a continue to recover. And And I think this book's been a real part of that process for him.
1: All right, let's get into it. Here is Sam Smith reading Grant's story, Drink, Smoke, Snort, Stroke, The Fall and Rise of Willie DeWitt.
3: Welcome to my world, he says in the intro to his new book, quoting that famous song, Won't You Come On In? But you might want to pause and consider whether comedian Willie DeWitt's world is a place you're keen to enter. Depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, a stroke. Did we mention the thugs with shotguns? Yes, the thing with the guns was pretty intense, DeWitt says from his Auckland home. He talks in fast little bundles of words, punctuated by bright bursts of laughter, as if struck by the simple joy of being able to construct a sentence again. It is, after all, a skill he had to relearn after the stroke. Let's just say the gun thing was a sobering moment, he says, or at least it should have been, but I kept right on with the meth. Three of them just showed up at my door, wearing balaclavas with loaded shotguns. It was January 2014, a warm Friday night around 10pm. They wanted his drugs or his money, preferably both. Fortunately, a sex worker who was with DeWitt at the time called the police and a passing officer was two minutes away. The shotgun dudes roared off from his house in Hillcrest cop car in hot pursuit. They drove into Birkenhead Cemetery, then took off on foot after smashing into a gravestone. At the time, I was high myself, so it didn't sink in until later that I could have been shot and killed. He pauses a moment, laughs. At least it gave me some good material for this book.
0: Today on Newsable, the coalition government is considering reintroducing the exporting of live animals after it was banned by Labour last year. What one animal welfare expert has to say about it? Plus, can rugby and politics ever really be separated? We're talking controversial haka ahead of this weekend's latest round of super rugby matches and the unusual form of currency a US library is accepting for fines. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Born William McGeechie, Willie DeWitt has packed a lot into his 62 years. With surprising frankness, his new book Drink, Smoke, Snort, Stroke traces the terrain of his life so far, from aspiring ballet dancer and class clown at Auckland Grammar to Chasen's soul now in recovery on multiple fronts. We're invited to tag along as DeWitt scales High Peaks, performing live comedy to packed houses, TV stardom, a high-profile radio career. And we are also at his side while he slogs through dark valleys. Shaky mental health, drug addiction, and an almighty explosion in his brain suggest this man was lucky to make it out alive. It's a remarkable story, even more so when you consider it was typed out post-stroke, using one hand over three years. There's some really funny bits in the book and also some pathos as it all comes crashing down, DeWitt says. I'm as amazed as anyone that I've survived. In a cruel twist, this stroke was my saviour, because if I'd carried on the way I was heading, I would have had a heart attack and died. Not that it was all bad. Writing this book also helped me remember some good times along the way. Those good times ramp up around the dawn of the 1980s, when DeWitt won a nightclub comedy competition. Better still, he got on so well with the other three contestants, Dean Butler... Ian Harcourt and Peter Murphy, that they started staging their own weekly comedy nights at Auckland's Windsor Castle Pub. We only got four people the first week, but within a year it was packed, DeWitt says. Our humour was apolitical and observational, just whatever we thought was funny. One such gag was an alarming wardrobe malfunction. DeWitt contrived to provide an excuse for the catchphrase, Ball's well that ends well, as he left the stage. In 1988, they landed funding for their first funny business TV series. Somewhere between stand-up and sketch comedy, inspired in part by groundbreaking UK show The Young Ones and peppered with pithy animations from Chris Knox, Funny Business was an immediate hit. Helped along by the comedians bombarding the broadcaster with anonymous fan letters. Dear TVNZ, Funny Business is the best show I've ever seen in my life. You can find a selection of classic Funny Business clips on the NZ On Screen site. They play unruly bogans at the beach, chugging beer and mullet wigs, They go door-knocking around Ponsonby as a quartet of training Mormons, and their mate Lucy Lawless makes her TV comedy acting debut in a toga, promoting an ancient Greek perfume of the gods named Anus, Fragrance for Men. Anus, Fragrance for Men. We filmed some segments as the hoons at Munawai Beach, and some real hoons turned up as we were leaving, DeWitt says. One of them pulled out a brown stubby beer bottle, and Gaffer taped it over his eyes like a pair of budget sunnies, so we wrote that into the show. Some real Mormons biked past one day when they were filming a Norman the Mormon skit in a Ponsonby park. We were in full Mormon regalia, and I was singing a song about my bike being a mean machine. It gave me a sore ass, but the Lord was my Vaseline. The real Mormons on the sidelines were horrified. They spent the rest of the day peddling furiously, following us through that park from location to location. I still remember a skit in which they played a flying nun band heavily inspired by the chills, calling themselves The Flu. They are filming bashing out a primitive racket at a rural rubbish dump, wearing black jumpers, looking glum, and talking about their influences. Um, Hamish, what are your influences? Um, French existentialists, uh,
1: German expressionist painters, Abba... And Ernie Ball's Teach Yourself Guitar Chords book. Um,
3: and really, we were just looking at aspects of New Zealand culture our audience would recognise and seeing where we could take it, DeWitt says. Nobody had done it in quite that way on TV before, so the show took off. Funny Business ran for a couple more seasons, headed off to perform live in Montreal, and won numerous awards. Along the way, all sorts of weirdness happened to DeWitt, including dangerous sex on trampolines, hanging out with the Wiggles and getting monstered by Mick Jagger's minder after daring to touch his boss backstage.
0: Most GP practices in New Zealand are closed to new patients. What do people do if they can't see a GP?
3: It's a real concern. A lot of people end up in the emergency departments. We know those are overrun, and we know that many, many people are turning up with conditions which really should be treated in primary care. We really need to look at the funding, we need to look at how that is distributed, because we know if more money is put into primary health care, then we're, we're actually stopping people going to the hospital.
0: For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts.
3: DeWitt then became a host on Radio Hodaki in 1998, staying 12 years before being unceremoniously dumped following what he referred to as the Christmas turkey incident. Down into the valley we go. DeWitt rapidly sank into the blackest depression he had ever known. I had depression since I was about 16, he says. I remember bawling my eyes out at my desk one day at Auckland Grammar, and I had no idea why. But it was an era when people just told you to harden up. The depression came back in my 20s, and I held it back with medication. But when I lost that hauraki job, I sank like a stone. DeWitt self-medicated heavily, At first, with a couple of bottles of wine a day, then assorted other drugs, culminating in a raging methamphetamine habit. Rather than reaching out to friends who might help me, I just stopped answering my phone, he says. Eventually, the calls stop coming, and you can go, okay, well, this loneliness is exactly what I deserve. Your isolation compounds the self loathing, and you start to think of yourself as a sad little man no one loves. The drug taking began as an escape from depression, from loneliness from my career drowning in a sea of nothingness. When I was high, everything felt okay again, but not for long, so that necessitated getting high again as soon as possible. Fear and loathing in Birkenhead, DeWitt chews through $500,000 on meth over the next four years. He gets skinny as a greyhound by using what he calls the meth wonder diet. He learns about the dangers inherent in hiring prostitutes who are also meth addicts on Auckland's Karangahape Road. He changes dealer and the new one shows up high as a space station, driving a mobile pharmacy. Oh God yes, DeWitt says. I think back now and it's all, William, what were you doing? Here we were in central Auckland in the middle of the day, and the woman opens up her van while she's parked in the middle of a one-way street. There's scales and meth and shit everywhere, and she's off a nut, abusing people who want to get past her car, with the cops parked just around the corner. The woman was arrested while DeWitt fled the scene by driving the wrong way up that one-way street. But you can only have so many lucky escapes. Drinking heavily, not sleeping or eating for days, burning through your brain supplies of dopamine and serotonin, repeatedly cranking your heart up into the panic zone, sustainable? It is not. In April 2016, DeWitt suffered a stroke, a catastrophic event five times more likely in meth users. He was found 12 hours later, face down in grey, barely breathing but alive. For weeks afterwards, DeWitt couldn't speak or understand what was being said, and was later told he would probably never walk again. His left arm and left leg had ceased communication with the rest of his body. He languished, semi-conscious, lost in hallucinations, in which the doctors and nurses seemed to be role-playing scenes from 80s US sitcom The Love Boat, floating by in swirling washed-out colours, asking, How's your voyage going today? This section of the book is harrowing as DeWitt recounts a long and painful road to recovery, including episodes of bullying and sexual assault by patients and staff in assorted state-run rehab facilities. You feel his fury as the jokes that have leavened the rest of the book subside for a while. And then DeWitt finds some power and some hope. He describes his low transition from a failure, a cripple, a drug addict, living alone without love or joy to someone who is now tentatively happy. He worked hard to regain mobility and speech. Now you can't shut him up. This is a very good thing. Yes, DeWitt says. I'm not only speaking again, but I've also written this book with my one good hand, and it's 65,000 words. No wonder it took three years. It was a labour-intensive labour of love. The book idea was a bit of a joke at first, but my best mate David Downs convinced me I should do it. Also a comedian, Downs laughs when asked about the book's gestation. Mate. Willie's right, he says. It totally started out as a joke. When I suggested it to him, he couldn't write, was dribbling when he spoke, and couldn't hold an idea in his head for more than a few minutes. I thought he'd very slowly tell me his story and write the book. Then he went off and started tapping at the keyboard with his one good hand and did it himself. Downs helped structure the manuscript afterwards and wrote an intro that brims with admiration. Well, I've known Willie for 30 years and he's a lovely man, Downs says. We drifted apart when he was going off on his drug rampages, but I re-established contact when I heard he'd had the stroke. At the time I had cancer, so we bonded over our trials and tribulations. Willie's been on such a massive journey. He's come through this period of struggling with his demons, and he's humbled by his experiences. I hope Willie writing this book will help normalise some hard conversations about mental health challenges and addiction issues, particularly for men. DeWitt, meanwhile, is still mending. Just taking things one day at a time. Seven years sober now and grateful for the second chances he's been given. Most of all, he's wondering what to do next. Writing has given me such focus for the past three years, so I really need a new project now, he says. Naked disabled wrestling? Surely there's a market for that, right? Or I could become a comedy influencer on TikTok. I can tell good disabled jokes now without sparking outrage because I'm disabled or perhaps he should write another book but given that this first one took three long years he better pull his finger out and then, you know, apply that finger to his keyboard stop, he says after an intense outbreak of giggling and coughing I've got a touch of bronchitis at the moment and it really hurts when I laugh
1: That was Drink, Smoke, Snort, Stroke, The Fall and Rise of Willie DeWitt on The Long Read From Stuff, written by Grant Smithies, read by Sam Smith, and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Connor Scott, audio clips courtesy of NZ On Screen. If you're listening via The Stuff website, you can hear this story and many more like it on The Long Read Podcast, available on all the usual podcast apps like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.
0: If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support.